Hello. How many times do you drive past the Seeger stall up on the main road between Cheddar and Wells? Quite a few, I'd think. Well, I needed to find out a little bit more about what goes on behind that fruit stall. And indeed, I was interested to know a little bit more about strawberry growing and running a strawberry farm, as the Seegers do. It was a very, very wet day a few days ago, and I trudged up there with Jackie, my guide dog, got hold of Andrew and Chris and fired some questions at them. So you catch us now midway through a conversation and I'm just asking them about their family history. Can I ask a little bit about your family background, the family of Seegers? Um, Have Seegers been farming in this area for many, many years? I mean, do you both come from a long generation of Seegers? general farming or or what? Um, Andrew, would you tell me a bit about that? Yes, my grandfather was a strawberry grower and my father was part-time till he joined us in the 70s, but he was a mechanic and he was was a part-time grower in those days because the season only lasts for about probably six weeks and uh, Christopher's Father, he grew strawberries. Grandfather. Grandfather, sorry. Yeah. Yes, yes. His his uh, his grandfather grew strawberries. So, yeah. So we've got a long history of um, strawberries going back for yes, a good many years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that would be what your two times grandfather would that be, Chris? Yes, I suppose it would be, would it? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? So my mother's my mother's father, father grew, strawberries grew strawberries, and yes. my dad's father grew strawberries. And do you both, Chris, you're going to, I was going to say probably no, because you're a lot younger than I am, so I know my age, but Andrew, do you remember the strawberry line, and do you remember the strawberries that you would load up and put onto the train that would go? Very much, yeah. Yeah, I used to go to school on the train to Wells, and we used to put strawberries on the the train at Draycott, and there was about 250 growers there. Doing, everybody was doing that, just exactly that, yeah. So when you say 250 growers, were 250 growers lots of strawberries going on the train? Where were they going to, Andrew? They were going all over the country. They were going to Gateshead, Cardiff, Birmingham, everywhere, Manchester, all over the country. And they were very... A very smooth ride because the the strawberries were much softer in those days. So sorry, go back on that, Andrew. Why were they softer in those well, days? Why would it different varieties, and the variety was much a softer, softer fruit. And now that they've developed much better strawberries that will travel on the, on lorries and, and last shelf life is longer. But in those days, they were very soft, and they would. Um, they would travel very badly on a lorry, but on a train they were lovely and smooth. It's interesting because one of the people I've done a podcast on is Di and David Ginger, and Di was saying her family used to grow, or her father, or her grandfather, or her uncle used to used to grow strawberries that used to actually go up to the Queen. Yeah, yes, they would. Yeah. yeah. Have you had any royal appointments? Uh, yes, we got a photograph here somewhere where our strawberries at the back of the jug. The Queen was looking at them, wasn't she, or something? She had yeah, some. Yeah, she, she had that. some, yes. And Mrs Grace from Pretty took them to 
Barfin West show and presented it to the Queen. We got a photograph somewhere. We'll have to have a look at that in a minute. But what can you remember what the Queen said? No. <laughs> Had you been drinking cider, Andrew? No. No, I don't think so. <laughs> That's great. So you meet the Queen, she gets no, to taste I, I, I never, No, I never saw her, no. No, he wasn't there. But Mrs Grace was this lady in the street. Oh, yeah. I think you had a photograph underneath, actually. And, and, and actually, for, for our listeners who were kind of, um, uh, who are not from Drake or may even be abroad, why is this area so good for growing strawberries? I open this up to both of you. What is it about... Because Draycott's supposed to be the sort of strawberry capital of the world, isn't it? Yes, well, I think it's the faith, face, the south-facing Mendips. Slopes. The slopes sun. Sun trap, isn't it, here? With, with good drainage out yes. onto the levels, yeah. would that be right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Onside the hill. Yeah, good bit of soil. And I know that, I mean, it must, you know, what you were saying earlier, it must be really difficult to know how much to pick and and when. Do you kind of just get... As, do you follow the weather or do you just know that kind of sense of how much you need to perk and put in the shop? And how long do you have from once they're ripe to, to getting them out of the shop? Because, I mean, is it better to leave them on the stem, so to speak? Or what, what's, what's the rules of getting strawberries from the ground to the shop? No, they must be picked when they're ready and we just got to get on with it. And do you, how do you know when they're ready, Andrew? Is that just, I mean, obviously I know what a ripe strawberry is, but you've got to pick it at that time, presumably when there's the best amount of shelf life still in the fruit. Yes, we we just assess it, look at it, assess it, and just do what we can. Now, a a little bird told me, in fact, somebody um, who doesn't live far from here, who I also believe keeps bees... Tells me that you, um, with your strawberries, they're fertilised completely organically, and you use bees. Is that right to to fertilise the fruit? Yes, we for poly, for pollination, not fertilisation, not fertiliser. No, no pollination. pollination. Sorry, you can tell how ignorant I am about <laughs> strawberry. Because the bee, the bee will pollinate it. Yeah. And then it stop it being a misshape, and then it'd be a beautiful looking strawberry, won't it? Okay. But to do that, where are you getting your bees from and how are you releasing them? And does this mean that you are using no false fertilisers, i.e. not organic? I mean, are you, are you growing strawberries totally organically? No, 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 no not, 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 not on this scale, you can't, no. you can't. I mean, we use least fertilisers we can, but you do have to use some. I mean, if you see on the floor here, there's two boxes just arrived now, um, and they are, they are sticky traps. So we put the sticky traps up, and then the bad insects go on there. Oh. And then that saves us using sprays and oh. other things that okay. we don't like using. Okay. So this is this is a way we can get away from that, and we go as organic as possible. Well, as possible as you can do, as yeah, you said when you're growing at this yeah. time. So coming back to the bees again, how do you and when do you release the bees to go into the polytunnels to pollinate the strawberries yeah we buy a bumblebee an english native on amazon <laughs> no not quite no. <laughs> you see that's what i would do I, I, amazon is my go-to yeah but not quite not quite so how how does this work and how long you know well, we, all, we we know when we need to order and we would order probably four uh, two weeks before 
we need them so that they've got settled in and ready. And, and where are you getting them from, Andrew? They come from our supplier that supplies us with um, corporate. We shouldn't say that because that's advertising. Yeah, that's it's all right. This is not a commercial channel. <laughs> well, well, you'll be quite that's safe. A, that's the company we use at the bottom. You can't see it, but... No, thanks, um, Andrew. No, and then... So then we put the we put the bumblebee hive inside of the greenhouse. Oh, you actually put it actually inside. inside. Yes, and they stay in there and work. They work the, the the flowers as they come out, and they work for probably six weeks, and then they they produce queens, and the queens leave, and start again outside. They go outside. They can go outside as well. The the, the when the windows are open, the bees fly outside, and they can come in and out. So they come in and out as they would if they were in the world uh, but I've also keep bees as well which is a honeybee and they they go in on the nice days so if we get a lovely day and the windows are open then they go in automatically and, and, and pollinate themselves so that that's a good as well but the insurance is the bumblebee because on a very cold day in March they cannot travel from the hive to the greenhouse which is that the honeybee? Or the, the honeybee, the okay. honeybee. Yes. So we and have if you to put bumblebees in, just to, just to, just yeah. to top it up, basically, because it's so early in the season. So, so are, are the bumblebee and the honeybee then working together? Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. and that's yes. okay. They don't yes, have that's any fine. kind no, of when we grow strawberries. No, no problem summer. at all. When we got them in the middle of the summer up here in these tunnels, we don't put any in there. We the the, the honeybees actually come there and find them themselves because it's later on in the summer and it's warmer and they can fly further but it's just because we're in a glass house early on in the year the honeybees don't quite get there so you have to just top them up with these bumblebees I just want to touch on something um, just about what you do here apart from the fruit and the veg and the strawberry growing I know when when I come past here that pumpkins are one of your major things. Oh, your pumpkins are your domain, are they, Chris? Well, they're ours, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, I plant them and we, yeah, we're going to plant twice as many this year. And, and why are you planting twice as many? Because I keep selling them all, so I'm going to plant twice as many and try and sell all that lot and see what happens. And is it just for Halloween or do people, are they buying them? Uh, you know? People eat them more and more, actually. I'm not, I don't know. Oh, do you yeah, like them? Do. What do you have it? Will you make soup? soup cakes? Uh, loads of things, yeah, loads of things. Oh. Buffy's making it all the time. Yeah, we eat soup most most weeks. Okay, well, soup. well, you're all very thriving thriving on it. <laughs> um, and as well as the pumpkins, so the pumpkins, obviously, Halloween time, you see loads <laughs> of them outside. And what's lovely is that field by the road. You look down and you see Orange, yeah. hundreds of I'm them. I can do the bottom field as well. This oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. And do you, do, you sow, do you do them from seed? Yes, yeah, put them in pots and then put them out after the frost is gone and stick them in the ground, if we can ever get on the ground, because it's so wet out there at the minute. But I'd like to get out there and get it ploughed now, but uh, that's not going to happen for a little So how many will you, will you be planting this year? Um, I reckon close to 2,500 seeds. And yeah. do you do it on your own or with, with help? Uh, we, yeah, well, me and Buffy did it this year. Yeah, yeah. Buffy's your, your wife. Yeah, Buffy's yeah. my wife, yeah. She's, um, she helped me put some in there in the evening in the evenings and on a Sunday we stuck them in some pots and then uh, let them come up and then uh, we get all the pickers in and then we plant them in the ground that's a bit harder that takes a bit more time 
Which, and then how, how many how many weeks is it? Well, we stick them in the beginning of May, yeah. and then uh, well, hopefully, touch wood, they're ready for October. Yeah. And not before and not after, because after's no good, and before they're all green. So it does seem that farming is really hard, doesn't it? Just trying to get it's, that timing it's a right. A lot of luck. I mean, the farmers are having it hard now. The arable farmers with their uh, with their with their corn and that getting it in, they just can't can't get on the ground. Talking about tough times, in the time that I've lived in Draycott, I'm an income, I've only been here 22 years. Uh, there have been good times and bad times. Would you, well, when I've gone past here endlessly on the bus, you know, I've seen a good trade of people coming and, and hopefully I come as well. We had a really bad thing happen, didn't we? I mean, it's got to be two years ago now where they completely closed this road, the road closure. Yeah, well, it was everything, wasn't it? Yeah. We yes. were severed for, for, for a period of time. You were completely severed because the roadblock literally was just outside That's the right. store, wasn't it? But it had to be done. We all need water, we all need, we all need gas, gas, and we all need this and we all need that, don't we? Yeah. And it was leaking. It, we'd, we'd come up here on a bank holiday Monday and before they did it, and um, the water main would have popped and there'd be water all over the road and then there'd be traffic lights and then it'd be up all weekend. So it's good they've done it, because now we haven't had a problem. You know, it's, the road's open now, and we're distant memory now. Well, it is, I mean, and it's great that you're being very philosophical about it, but it must have affected business yeah, terribly. I mean, yeah. I think they were trying to help a little bit, weren't they, with local businesses? Well, they, they, did they help they, you at all? We did try to have a claim of the gas board, which could totally rejected it, and we had a solicitor's bill. And then we tried for the water, and the solicitor's bill, bill has been more than the settlement will be. So it would have been better for us not to have tried for a claim, and it would have been better for us, um, you know, not to, to have probably closed. Because time we paid the wages and everything, and the money we lost, and it was very bad because it came over the Christmas. And we do Christmas trees, holly reefs, and so on. And well, I think it had a knock-on effect this year as well with sales of Christmas trees and things. I think the people went elsewhere and didn't they come didn't come back. I think. I mean, I'm going to claw them back. I shall keep going. I shan't give up. But I think it had a knock-on effect this year. I fancy. Did you actually close the shop? Or, no, 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 you've always managed to keep it open. In fact, the minibus that they put on that I fought for. He'd turn around in our car park every day and people would get off and wander off to the other end and get on the, the other end and go on again. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was quite brutal. But would you say, you guys, that that, in all the time you've been here, was one of the lowest moments? Or have there been other moments that... It's funny, you know, I would say, I know it's a really difficult question to ask people because people ask me about things I've done in my life and I often say the things where I feel I've failed or I've lost my sight or something like that have often led to kind of new opportunities as such. Has anything ever happened here that's made you think, God, blimey, I just feel like throwing the whole thing up and starting again or doing something different? Has there ever been a pivotal moment like that for you, Andrew? Yes, there is. There's been some years ago, many years ago now, we had a, a fungus called black spot which affected the plants and the, the plants were bought in and it was a notifiable disease 
So the ministry had to be notified and you had to destroy the plants, destroy everything on the field and any plastic or anything else had to be destroyed and we were just about to pick a, a crop of strawberries that had to be pulled out with just red strawberries just starting to form on the plants. So that was a very low time. The road's the, uh, probably the worst time I've, I've known since I've been back here. That was hard because you, you know, you'd buy the stuff, put it here and it would stay here and it wouldn't, wouldn't sell because the people weren't here. But they have come back and it is, it is, it is getting better now. I mean, what does community mean to you both? Because obviously this podcast is very much, as I said, I'm doing it for the community. Do you feel supported by the community? Does the community support the shop? Yeah, Yeah, some support, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've got quite a lot of local people come, yes. Yeah, we do, There's no holiday trade round here as such in the winter, and we're we're still open in the winter, so we've got to be supported, haven't we? we? We must be. People must be using us. And you, I know, support the community yourselves because, am I right, that you donate a Christmas tree to the to the school every year? That's you, Chris, is it? Do you yeah, don- I do, donate a tree to the school and then uh, one the other way to Rodney Stoke in the Pound. They have one and they have one. That's a really nice thing well, to do. Detroit, you? And then they, the school also has a, a few pumpkins at Halloween to carve out and uh, my daughter goes to a nursery in Webmore and they have a few pumpkins to carve out as well, you know, and keeps it all... Seem all happy, doesn't it? Do you do any carving yourself? <laughs> I, I'm not the artistic one. Buffy's the artistic one. She's 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 pretty good. Does she? Does she? Um, we should say that Buffy is a um, she's a dog groomer, isn't That's she? Right, yeah. So she does she fashion the pumpkin into a well-groomed poodle? Yes, yes, can do. <laughs> yeah, I think what she did last year. I think she did um, some witch's um, thing on a broom or something. I think last year. She's very good. I was very impressed. Yeah, she's the, well, she was the one who persuaded you to do this podcast. Yes, right. Yeah, and Andrew, we're pretty sure nobody's listening, so you should be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew was a bit shy about doing this, but he's standing out to be a bit of a star. Yeah. Now, Andrew, talking about being a bit of a star, you and I once had a, had a chat, and I've had some lovely long chats with you <laughs> over the years, haven't we? Looking at our ailments, looking at how long your leg is and various yes, things like yes. that. You once told me, but you, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'd had a cider, but you once told me you think you saw, or you're sure you saw, yes. the Beast of Bob Minmore? Yes, we were, there was about five of us working in the field just over there, and there was a big black cat in the field opposite. And Literally every, opposite where we are yeah, here, right, the fruit yeah, store. Yes, up in Mr. Lucas's ground it was then. And we all looked up and said, wow, look at that. And it was seen at previous as well, at Crosscombe. And Eric Reed seen it in the village. Well, on the same day? Was this the no, same sighting? No, no, not the same day. It would have been several, several, probably a couple of months in Crosscombe. And then later, Eric seen it the other end of the village. But we all looked up, and I rushed off to get my camera, and I, of course, didn't have a good camera that could zoom in, and tried to get where it was to, and it crashed through the bushes and jumped through some ivy, and I clicked a couple of times, but unfortunately not good enough. But a lot of people that was working, or at least five people working in the field, actually saw it, so I wasn't seeing things. (laughs) I drank too much cider that day, you know. That's right. Yeah, so um, yeah, so it was quite, 
it was quite interesting and it, I didn't see it again it was only the once and that was it but it was definitely not a cat it was bigger and than it that. wasn't a black labrador because if no, we're looking no, at my no, guide dog no, Jackie no, here it's a puma I would say a black puma with quite... It's a tail, wasn't it? Yeah, a long, swoopy tail, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, the photographs I take were no no good. They didn't come out because it was too far and I was too close. The time I got there, it had gone up over and it, I unfortunately messed up really. I should have stayed back and taken the photographs from distance. But if we'd had a better camera, it would have proved the point. But there you are. Andrew and Chris Seeger, who are talking me, to me today at their fruit stall, and I think we can all hear the busy traffic in the rain going backwards and forwards outside. What do we think the future is going to be for, for Seegers, for Seeger strawberries, for Seeger stall? Where would you like, Andrew, what, what would you like to happen to this wonderful business that you've built up and now with Chris? What, what's, what's the future for you guys? Well, I think it'll carry on the same. It's... Um, uh, a good life um, if we can get the labour to pick the strawberries and do the work then maybe uh, Nigel Farage and uh, Boris Johnson will come and pick the strawberries if do you think so? if they don't let us bring in our Eastern Europe people so are you worried about that? I mean, yes, I mean you're, yes, not, you're not somebody that shows worry, but are you worried yeah, about that? I'm concerned that, uh, that they won't allow them in easily. I think that they're trying to drive them out for various reasons, which is fair enough. But I think they must realise that we do need our people from Eastern Europe to pick the strawberries. Because we have great difficulty in finding, as we said in the beginning, difficulty in finding people in England that will go out from 8 o'clock to 6 o'clock in the boiling hot temperatures in all weathers to harvest fruit. And it's like you said, it's not picking strawberries for jam. It's got to be done correctly and it's, it's a skill. You know, they're saying only skilled people can come into the country. Well, they are, they are skilled because it is a skilled job picking strawberries. We're not picking for jam. We're picking to go into the markets and going to our local people, um, and it's it's got to be done properly. And th these people will do it very, very well, which they proved in the last. Well, we've been having having Polish people here for now for fif our, uh, 15, 16 years. Here's our top picker just turned up, Sean. So, um, where will I will I still be able to get my strawberries here in five years time yes, yes. absolutely yes 100 percent yes see why not yes you might have to pick on yourself <laughs> <laughs> well um the fact that I'm I'll going <laughs> yeah I was going to say the fact I've only got 10 percent size and that's fading might be a little bit challenging well I'm going to thank you both very 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 much for taking the time to talk to Draycott Diaries and Andrew thank you for, for coming out because I know this wasn't your idea but no, okay. great idea but he was, was knee-deep in over fixing a forklift oh. <laughs> I had to drag him away well, this still means a lot to, to the Draycott community. You know, we all come here and, and you guys, you, you know, you, as far as I'm concerned, you're pillars of the community and we'd be very lost without you. Thank you. That's very nice. That's very kind of you. Thank you. You have been listening to Draycott Diaries, recorded by me, Tiggy Trethowen. The editor was Rob Elliott and the music arranged by Hugh Trethowen.